Welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a hopeful and helpful resource from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church in Utah. Each week, we will be hearing from our staff as we explore what makes SMCC unique, as well as what it means to be fully devoted and fully delighted in Jesus Christ. We hope this podcast can be a helpful resource for you to take your next step with Jesus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fully Delighted Podcast. My name is Adam and I am joined today by Trevor, who was here with us last week, and then Eric, who was not here with us last week. We were just, man, we were just catching up the three of us and just hanging out here before we started recording, but it's good to be all back together. Yeah, yeah. Great to be back. Uh, For the listeners who don't know, I was spent all week out in Costa Mesa, California, working on becoming a more effective leader and removing the barriers that keep me from leading and most of those are within me. <laughs> they're my own barriers. They're my own thoughts. They're lies I believe about me. They're my own emotions that get in the way of holding people accountable and trying new things and uh, caring for people. And so I was working on becoming a better leader because as Groeschel says, Craig Groeschel, when the leader gets better, everybody gets better. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that's true. And so I never want to get done getting better. Yeah, that's, that's bad English, but I never want to be done <laughs> being better. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's where I was and missed you guys. I listened to the podcast, uh, podcast, Kyle Henderson, great job last week filling in. Um, really love uh, what we're able to provide for folks here. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I think last week was really fun. Feels like we just got a good rhythm here. Here's the thing: as long as Trevor's here, I'm good. Yeah, I can, thanks, I can man. Just, I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, appreciate. Just that. made Trevor's day. Yeah, appreciate you, Trevor. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, once again, we do this podcast to equip people's. Uh, minds and understanding the Bible as they grow theologically and biblically competent. Yep. We have a vision here to disciple people in their head, heart, and hands, and uh, this podcast serves that purpose. Um, we don't want to do anything that doesn't serve a purpose <laughs> in <laughs> our mission or in equipping people for FDFD life, yeah. and we hope this is a great gift to you Monday through Friday as you follow Jesus. Yeah, and I yeah. think um, it's just so fresh in my mind from small group last night um, this, uh, media, this content is a little bit more, I think Eric, we could say to a degree, maybe a little bit just more engaging on the side of the head, yep. not necessarily, not necessarily the heart, but this is a lot of like a brain dump of, mm-hmm. of the sermon. So that's mm-hmm. what this is engaging. That's right. Yeah. So we want to continue in the kingdom is like for <laughs> our series. And, uh, we are now in, man, are we in week three or week four? Look at how unprepared I am. I know that we're somewhere in here. Week three. <laughs> we're week three. Okay. I'm thinking ahead to week four. Um, and we had a little message about the mustard seed. That's did you right, did you so. call it little because of the mustard seed itself, or no? Well, maybe subconsciously. I did. Maybe. Yeah. All right. I was just thinking there about it. Is. Yeah. All right. So. <laughs> Parable yeah. of the mustard seed is a good one. Um, man, I had a great time preaching it. I, I will say um, this in preparation. Uh, and, and Trevor, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot. But Jesus is preparing us. He's giving us foresight so we know what to expect Mm -hmm. um, with these parables. Here's what the kingdom is like. So when it doesn't seem like this is happening and when your world seems so unlike Mm -hmm. what I'm about to describe to you, remember this is actually what's happening. And by the way, I predicted my death and resurrection and pulled it off. I called the shot and did it. And so if I'm right about that, I'm right about this kingdom that's advancing. And let me prepare you for how it's going to advance. And we're kind of in that section now. And uh, I'll, I'll just share this quick story to kind of illustrate that point. Um, Thursday night, I was flying back out of uh, John Wayne Airport, and uh, it's in Orange County. And I'm, I'm there in the third row or whatever, and the stewardess comes on, and I got my headphones in. And I usually don't listen because... Mm-hmm. My thinking is if it goes down, I'm dead anyways. What's the <laughs> point of listening? You guys know what you're doing. I'll be fine. And half the time it's like, rah, 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 and yep. you can't understand them. 
But I did decide to listen, and I'm really glad I did because they, they said this, hey, when we take off, uh, we're going to take off real steep. You're going to hear the engines. It's just full throttle. We're going to take off steep. But to help the city of Santa Ana with the noise pollution, we're actually going to we're gonna cut the engines back, uh, coast over the city, and then you'll hear us pump them back on, pump them, I don't know, full, uh-huh. full yep. throttle them again, and we'll, we'll continue flying. I don't like to fly, and any time the engine changes pitch at all, I look out the window. Yep. And, I look, and I look for the horizon to see if it's still stable <laughs> or if I'm plummeting to my death. And um, I'm so glad she took the time to give me foresight so that I would be prepared and not panic when the moment happened. And I didn't miss it because I thought, she probably has something to say. I'm going to listen. That is a really good picture of what Jesus is doing here. Yep. Um, he's giving us foresight if we care to listen. That's the point of parables to begin with, one of the points. So we need to be prepared to listen. And if we would listen, we would find helpful information that would prevent us from a panic later on in life. And, and, and that's what's happening here. And sure enough, when the plane took off, that's exactly what, what happened. It was a little uncomfortable, um, but I was prepared for it. And so I was able to sit and rest and relax. And that's what Jesus wants us to do in his kingdom. Yeah. Sit and rest in it and build it with him. In order for that to happen, we need to be prepared. It's funny. I had the exact same experience. I'll just say that. But somebody told me even before we got on the plane, they're like, oh, did you know that there's the city ordinance around this area? And yeah, they can't really like throttle the engines when they're over the sections. So yeah. I, I was like, oh, <laughs> this is like a thing that yeah. they, that's like they have to do. So it's yep. interesting. Yep. So yeah. if you were at South Jordan, you heard that story. Sorry for the repetition, but I just think it's um, a really good picture of what Jesus is accomplishing through these parables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we kind of look at some of the sections of this and dive a little bit deeper? You know, we're not here to really re-preach the message, but let's dive into it a little bit more. I've got two very smart guys on either side of me here that write these things. So let's talk through the parable itself um, and dive deeper yeah. into that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's bridge, bridge to it from the airport illustration with a question. So the question is, what's happening when I can't understand what's happening? I need to know mm-hmm. what's happening when I can't see it or feel it or understand it completely. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this question that's come up in the minds of a lot of Jesus followers, come up in my mind, which is this, and, and each parable has a similar question, but there's some differences each time. But this question is, Jesus, if your kingdom is really advancing, if it's here now, as you say it is, why can't I see it more fully? Why isn't it? Why isn't it more powerful or more significant or more uh, on display? Why does it seem so small sometimes in my own mm. life or in the world itself? Yeah, and uh, I think this parable answers that question of why it's slow, maybe slow growing, hard to see at first, takes time. That's such a good question, and I think even people now might even still have that question. So that's why this applies to us now, because I think back even to when we were preaching week one, I preached week one as well. And um, the idea we've got John talking about the kingdom is coming. Jesus saying the kingdom is, is, is here, you know, all these things. And it's like, okay, cool. So what's like, what's the holdup? What are we waiting for? Why <laughs> yeah. is it coming? Why, you know, like it's here, but it's, it's not quite yet. So like, I think it's a perfectly valid question for us to have even totally. now, you know, yeah. so. Absolutely. It's, it's kind of interesting too, how the parable, um, like its meaning has has lived on in a way as well, because that's true, like in the day and age in which Jesus delivered it. And what's fascinating is even nowadays, um, you know, that 
2,000 years later, that Christianity is responsible for so many developments within society that are for the good of so many people, things like the university, the hospital, uh, the printing press. None of those would exist if not for uh, Christianity. And so you can really see how it, like, it has grown and flourished and produced so many helpful things. The kingdom has produced so many helpful things for the rest of humanity. Um, and yet still, sometimes Jesus can seem as small and as insignificant as a mustard seed to us individually in the midst mm-hmm. of everything that we're going through. And I think, I think that can be true, especially when we're not Christians, but even sometimes when we are, I think there's a, a chance to kind of live in a way where, you know, we're, uh, we miss um, the resources that are available to us within the kingdom. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that. Interesting question. Do you guys think it was more like a mustard seed then or now? Like, like if, if, you know what I mean? Like, to stay in the parable, that it starts small, was it harder to see then, or is it harder to see now? That is a great question. I have my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> you want me to answer my own question? I want to hear your answer, Trevor. Yeah, my answer would be, uh, I, I bet it probably fluctuates at different times throughout history, mm-hmm. and uh, it almost depends on, like, Societally, societally, what's what's taking place and what trajectory are things moving in? Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting thing is now, and maybe this was true back then too. Once you've trusted in Jesus, once you've stepped into the kingdom, and you begin to look around and you see all of the things that it has contributed, and you see it, um, you see that it's not as small as a mustard seed anymore. Yeah. Um, but it might still appear that way. Yeah, yeah. You just have to look carefully, and I think that's part of the invitation of some of these parables is. It's growing if you would choose to to look for it. You know, mm-hmm. when you think of the the global uh, church, you know, the capital C church, you have you have Jesus followers all across the globe, millions worshiping Him today, mm-hmm. loving people today. We have the Bible today. Yeah. Then you had a rabbi on the scene. Remember, this is before His death and resurrection, announcing the kingdom. I think it looks smaller then. I got to be honest. You got 12 guys who can barely figure it out, who hate each other, by the way. <laughs> They're at yeah. odds. Yeah. Uh, you got a rabbi who's, you know, in some ways predicting his death. And, and, yeah. and you're like, okay, this is real. Like, this is really a mustard seed because <laughs> uh, we, there's, we got no chance that this thing's going to take off. Yeah. And then what was so huge at the time was the Roman Empire, yeah. which eventually collapsed. And what do we have left? Well, the kingdom that was announced in the first century in the face of the might and power of the Roman Empire. So I think it's harder to see, it's, it would have been harder to see back then. I really do. And I think if we mm. choose to, we can see aspects of the kingdom and human flourishing everywhere we, we look. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's that's good. So somebody the other day, oh, airplane again. Uh, God, I have so many airplane stories. I don't. <laughs> oh, okay, man. Can I just totally derail this for a second? Yeah, go for it. All right, so I sit next to this stuff. lady. We're flying to Vegas, uh, out of Santa Ana to Vegas, Vegas to Utah. And about halfway through, I'm scrolling my phone. She hasn't said anything to me the whole time. Halfway through, I'm scrolling my phone. And uh, I scroll through this picture of my kids playing drums. And she's like, oh, do you guys play drums? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, okay, cool. So we start talking. She goes, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. She goes, I... I'm not like a tarot card person, but I knew you were a pastor. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, what, what, what does that mean? Did I put off strong pastor vibes or something? And uh, she went on to use some interesting language to describe how she knew. But uh, anyways, it was just interesting to be out and about chatting with people about church and ministry mm-hmm. um, back in Utah. And uh, anyways, a different person on the flight <laughs> said this to me. Man, but don't you feel like the world? The world's. Uh, we were talking about church and, mm-hmm. and Jesus, and they said, 
Oh, actually, it wasn't on the flight. Sorry, you guys. These were the Mormon missionaries at my house. Oh, I'm, I'm, man. All, I'm all turned around. You've been doing too much. I've been apparently. having so many conversations. And they said to me, yeah, but, but things are getting worse in this world, right? I mean, things are getting real bad. Things are getting worse. And, and I've heard that before. And, and I don't, you know, I'm not the final authority on whether things are getting better or worse. Yeah. But I remember Paul Roby read a book, 100 Things That You Don't Know About the World that are telling, That's Telling Us the World's Getting Better. That wasn't the title of the book, but it was something like that. Yeah. Paul, remind me what it was. Point being, I think the world is actually getting better. That there's, there's less poverty today. There's more human flourishing. There's more opportunities for education, clean mm-hmm. water. Th- that is happening than there ever was. And so I think you do see what Jesus was talking about. Human flourishing is, uh, is growing all the time. Yeah, we got to keep in perspective. I think I think sometimes we get a little bit siloed off. Um, it's helpful to have some perspective. Uh, might even be uh, good for you mentally to have some perspective in terms yeah. of things getting better. Because, I yeah. mean, we're talking about there was times in the world where, I mean, do we see nations right now who uh, have, I hate to go down this road, but like, sex slaves and we're having uh, I mean I don't know that still happens but like nations that are like this is what we do and we do these pagan things where we like kill people and put you know you know heads on stakes and I know that that can happen in little bits and pieces but they're very powerful empires Mm -hmm. that were doing this back a while ago and things like this so and and there's all these natural disasters going on in our country right now trains crashing and people are saying this about that and you know you can you can really lose your lose your mind and lose your cool diving into some of that Mm -hmm. stuff um the point being, social media is designed to make you think it's getting worse. And I'm yep. just saying, mm-hmm. is it really? Yeah. yeah. Right, right, Jesus right. seems to be saying something different. Yeah. And I think the important question, again, what you're saying, Adam, perspective, is just asking, uh, you know, say it was better like 50 years ago, better 100 years, however far back you want to go. Yeah. The important question to ask is better for who? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Because chances are it wasn't better for everyone across the board. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and I, I know that there are people who say, no, it's getting worse. This is now legal or this is illegal or this is this and this is this and it's getting worse. I'm not really interested in like debating that, but Jesus seemed to say human flourishing is going to happen inside of the kingdom. And I think we should take his perspective into consideration and work on that. Yeah. So, yeah. Why don't you read the parable, Trevor, just to get us get us into it? Yeah. So Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 to 32, reads like this. He uh, told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Yeah, good stuff. Um, take us through how this theme wasn't new in the first century. For the astute reader of the OT, the Old Testament, this theme's been been established. Yeah, well, on the one hand, the mustard seed was um, proverbial. It was symbolic for things that are small, yet from it grew this pretty significant-sized tree. Um, you know, we talked about that on Sunday, and so the, the point is really the contrast. But then the other thing we addressed on Sunday was the, the phrase that Jesus attaches to the close of it, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. And it kind of seems like if the point is only the contrast, then he's made that with just the mustard seed. Mm -hmm. So why does he attach that? And when you go back to a couple of books in the Old Testament, Daniel and Ezekiel uh, in particular, you see that same language being used to describe really the the reign of certain kings. Um, In Daniel, it's talking about a foreign king, the king of Babylon. And then in Ezekiel 17, it's actually talking about the kingdom of heaven. It's a prophecy um, looking forward to Jesus. And so both times uses that same language of the birds living in the branches or finding shelter. And the idea is just that the the kingdoms, as they grow and flourish, they bring good things to many, many other people. And so they provide flourishing. So the idea is just that the parable is really just saying 
The beginnings will seem small and insignificant of the kingdom, but it will continue to grow and to grow and to grow and to bring flourishing to all who join it. A flourishing which begins in this life, but the fullness of which still awaits us um, really at the full establishment of the kingdom. Hmm. I like it. I like mm-hmm. it. So if someone's been around church for a while, <coughs> they've heard people talk about the mustard seed in another context. And I think sometimes we might mix and match those together. So Matthew 17 Jesus returns to the mustard seed, 1720. And I just want to focus in a little bit, do a little hermeneutics together so that we're really um, clear on all of this. Uh, In Matthew 20, Jesus says, because you have so little faith, um, he's responding to the disciples talking about why they couldn't drive out a um, a demon possessed possess a, a demon from a boy possessed by one truly i tell you if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you can say to this mountain move from here to there and it will move <clears throat> nothing will be impossible for you and uh, there's a lot of modern worship songs that talk about that nothing <laughs> we is impossible yeah. <laughs> uh, impossible for you so what do we do with mustard seed there is it the same thing is it a different thing that's um, a good question what, is Jesus kind of building on the same point that something small still has a lot of value? Trevor, Adam, how would you guys speak to that? Goodness. Wow. That is a great question. Yeah. Um, I love just, that Trevor's got the answer for just it. Just riffing off the cuff here. My <laughs> thought would be, and uh, my, again, uh, we study the Bible in community, so feel free to... Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and just so the listener knows, we don't like script this. Like This no. is fresh for Trevor right <laughs> in the moment. Yep. Yeah, my thought would be that within the passage, the mustard seed is representative of, you know, things that are small. So he's talking Mm -hmm. about faith that is small. And in the context, it is Jesus' instruction to them about why they weren't able to cast a demon out of a boy, something that Jesus expressly gave them authority to be able to do. And this is a story that we actually see in other books as well. I want to say in Mark, it's it's in there as well. And uh, the in the instruction that Jesus gives to them afterwards, they're saying, why couldn't we do it? He says, uh, this one can only come out by prayer. Mm-hmm. And I think what the broader context leads us to understand is that in some way they were trying to help this boy uh, cast in a spiritual way, cast out this demon uh, entirely independent from God, that, that they weren't mm. relying on him at all. And so I think what Jesus is saying, faith is small as a mustard seed. You can't do this at all on your own. You, mm-hmm. you have nothing to offer him. Um, but if you rely upon me, then there is something to help. Now, obviously, there's some other tangled issues here, so yeah. I'm going to just hit the ball back to the other side <laughs> of the court. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there are some some interesting things going on. Um, I think the way we often think about our faith is um, that it's the amount of my faith that produces a result. And I think that's a bit of a misreading of a passage like this. Like, if I have great faith, I will see great results because of my faith. Right, right. And and I just think that that's uh, that's not the 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 way the New Testament describes faith. I think the way the New Testament describes faith is faith is trust. Mm. And so, even if you have small trust in the one who is infinitely large, Jesus Himself. Um, that's going to produce some life change. Mm. Um, and the mountains move from here to there. It's not, I imagine, and, and I heard this from my old pastor, Pastor Brian Hull. So if I'm wrong, you know, I got it from him. <laughs> that Jesus actually pointed at literal mountains that would have represented something in this moment. Mm. So rather than whatever mountain you're facing right now, you got a mountain in your way, Trevor, you got a mountain in your way. Is mm. it your debt? Is it your, you know, what, what is it? Your weight? Like what? no offense. That's, that's, that's kind it's of it's Stimpanogos. <laughs> yeah. Trying to get to the dance. I don't imagine that Jesus was giving us permission 
to say, name it and claim it. You got a mountain, claim it. It's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. You're going to get through it because you got just a little bit of faith in Jesus. I, I don't think that's what it's saying. I think it's saying, trust the one mm-hmm. with, you know, uh, that even the smallest amount of trust in, a, in an incredibly uh, strong object will produce results mm-hmm. primarily from this mountain to that one. What was he pointing at? Perhaps, and this is, it doesn't say in the text, um, but you know, you think of the, the temple mount, you think of the major mountain of religion that stood mm-hmm. in people's way. And Jesus is saying, you can trust me now with just a little faith. And that mountain, the one of religion, the one that has you go through all of these things to get to me, it'll move and it'll come right here and you can come right to me. I think that that's my take on a passage that admittedly is a bit difficult. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, you know, he goes into that nothing will be impossible for you. Well, and well, uh, so. that, I think that fits uh, again, because going back to it, they couldn't, uh, they couldn't um, do what they were trying to do. Yep. And they were placing trust to accomplish it within themselves rather than him. So he's yep. saying, yeah, it doesn't matter how small you're like, you're, it's not about the size of your trust. Yep. It's about the object of your trust. Yep. The exactly. In whom you place your trust. Hundred percent. And mm-hmm. and Tim Keller um, has an illustration. You know, you're falling off a cliff. Uh, is it better to have a lot of faith in a weak branch or a little faith in a very strong branch when you reach out and just grasp? And the point is, it's that it's um, trust in an incredibly strong object that saves your life, not the amount of trust that you have. Mm. Uh, it's it's the object of it that matters most. And I think that's mm. what this parable is getting at. So, anyways, that was a bit of a detour. But all that to say. Mustard seed comes up again and again, and you just got to be careful to remember that mustard seed was proverbial for smallness, and Mm -hmm. that is important. Uh, We're going to come up to that again with yeast. It's uh, the next parable uh, Mm -hmm. for this coming Sunday, and it's proverbial of something not necessarily small, although it is small. It's proverbial of something working its way out to the whole part. So it's a different type of effect. Um, but a similar type of a substance that does something from the inside out, that type of thing. Can I, let me ask you, let me just pitch a question since we're really on this theme today of uh, <laughs> talking off the cuff here. Um, a question that maybe, maybe there's an answer to, maybe there's not. Trevor, I know that we've talked a little bit previously about um, the mustard seed. So there's, there's an analogy that's used even with Christ that he's the first fruits of, mm-hmm. of what's to come. And that maybe there's an analogy to be drawn of of um, you know Christ's death, and he's the first fruits, and 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 I just pictured it this way: there's kind of like a spark. There's like, oh, here's this rabbi, the Messiah, oh, and he died, mm-hmm. and then boom, I know he's risen again, and yep. you know things through it. So you know these people would have had the idea of okay, the Messiah's coming. We're under the threat of Rome. Rome's got their thumbs, you know, pushed down on us. And here's going to be this king that's going to overthrow us. And it's almost like here's this. I almost think of it as like maybe this like here's this like mustard seed messiah like mm-hmm. he comes calmly and quietly he submits to death and like but so much will come out of it yeah yeah and i, I think that's important we actually talked about that in the message and i and i just wanted to make the distinction hermeneutically meaning how do we read our bibles uh what skills do we need to interpret the bible what sure and and what discipline hermeneutics is the discipline of accurate interpretation um is it saying Jesus is the mustard seed or are we just saying there are some similarities between Jesus and the mustard seed? And that's kind of what I'm saying. There are these similarities um, as well. I wouldn't want to say this parable is is saying Jesus is the mustard seed because it's about the kingdom is like. Right. But Trevor made this great point earlier that if the kingdom is like this, then the king is like this too. 
And I think you do see that connection <clears throat> that as the seed is planted in the ground, Jesus was planted mm-hmm. in the tomb. He, he rose to life and now people are finding safety, security, significance, satisfaction in his kingdom in, mm-hmm. to use another metaphor on top of a metaphor in the branches and birds, you and I, people are calling that home now for their lives yeah. and that's leading to flourishing. And I think that's the the whole picture here that Jesus is trying to give us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know just to put a cap on that. I just like the idea of we get to trust um, in that, what what Christ has done in that first fruit. We we see there's a resurrection. Mm-hmm. Oh, so there is something, there's proof of what's even to come to that. So maybe that's not directly even drawn to the mustard yeah. seed, but there is, we do find that hope in that. The, isn't there another one in John about if the kernel dies, it will give... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you got all these agricultural yeah. metaphors, and they they all sound similar, and they they kind of have some overlap, but they also stand alone too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just love that about the Bible, and I love that about Jesus's teaching. You know, he wasn't like, if point A is true and point B is true, then point C is true, <laughs> and yeah, I'm alive. A plus B is C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like uh, that. That there's a place for that. But Jesus gave word pictures to connect to the human heart, you know, and uh, that's what we see with these parables. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's something to be said. You're saying this exactly, Eric. There's something to be said about how Jesus could have come in and been like, I'm drawing this on the whiteboard. Here's the exact equation. Um, here's the formula. Here's the formula. Yeah, no, there, there, is some, there is some story. There is some human heart element. There is a, oh, I never, you know, thought of it, you know, so there's a little bit of that as well in these parables. Mm. Yeah, and I think that makes it come to life. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been wrestling with this thought. Um, recently as a communicator and Trevor, you're on the teaching team, Adam, of course you hop in that, um, that I, that I'm just really struck by. So we live in a post-truth culture. We, we did a message on this in our revolutions series mm-hmm. that the data says facts don't change people's minds anymore. That's what the data says. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe it, you're actually proving my point because the data says that and yeah. it's not changing your <laughs> mind. Like, like that, that's what it says. So we used to be in a world where... <laughs> the, fact, the fact works either way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we used to live in a world where good, the good, the true, and the beautiful would, would move people. And now I think what's good is up for grabs to a lot of people. Yeah. What's true is up for grabs. Mm-hmm. Your version of truth, my version of truth. I do still think the world, the human heart, mm-hmm. is captivated by that which is beautiful. Yes. And so in our preaching, I'm trying to do what Jesus is doing here. He, he's taking kingdom truth and making it beautiful. Yeah. You know, you ever been out on a walk and you see birds perched in a beautiful mm-hmm. tree and the sun is set? Like, it's just, it's yep. just beautiful. Yep. It captures the human heart. I'm not saying it's true because it captures my heart, but true things should actually capture our hearts, right? right? Yep. And I want to find ways at SMCC, in our messages, in the series we're doing, where truth isn't just intellectually convincing. It's emotionally convincing because it's seen as beautiful. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's kind of where I want to end this podcast. In fact, why is the kingdom beautiful for humans, guys? That, I mean, that's what I want to see. Okay, Jesus was raised from the dead, so what he said about the kingdom is true too. Yeah, absolutely. But let me tell you why that's the best way to live life. You know, I mean, you guys are living in the kingdom right now. What, what is so compelling to you about that? Hmm. Yeah, that is a really good question. You've got good questions today, Eric. <laughs> Try it. Yeah, so the question is, what's compelling? Why, what is is the, good? why is the kingdom good and beautiful to you? Yeah. 
Yeah, because I mean, on a macro scale, it's taking something that um, is broken mm. and redeeming it. Yep. We have in our heart this desire for what should be. Mm. We look at things, we look at events yeah. and go, oh, that's awful. Oh, that shouldn't be. There should be a justice brought to this. Yep. Um, and yet we see a king that through the cross, there's this grace and truth. There's the truth about what should be, and there's the grace that comes with it. And it's like, oh, this is beautiful. This is so cool. That's on, on a big scale. Yeah. 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 Redemption's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Hollywood knows that. Yes. Yeah, stories. Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't love? I mean, I was just talking with Kyle Henderson today about the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you had Robert, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. Do you guys know about him as an actor? And he fell apart at one point in his career. He had mm. nothing on the table for him. And he's like in, you know, several of the most highest grossing movies ever through these Marvel um, Avenger movies. Um, yeah. he, had a, he had a great arc as a, as an actor. And in that character, it's very appealing. It's very beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Uh, I mean, stories are persuasive and, uh, and moving. I remember listening to this, uh, just like a short little lecture from, I think Kurt Vonnegut was the guy, um, author of, well, just well-known author, um, 20, 20th century. And, uh, just talking about, uh, the shapes of different stories and the stories that are most popular. Uh, he's like, one of the stories that we love the most is just, um, uh, you know, a, like a man or a woman falls into a hole and the whole story is just them getting out of the hole. How do they get out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, it's as simple as that. Even what you just described with uh, Robert Downey Jr. as an actor, his arc, mm-hmm. uh, it was just someone who was here, like doing decent. They yep. fell into a really big hole, and yeah. then they managed to get out. Mm-hmm. And we love that. And we love it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And in a way, that's what happens with the mustard seed. You know, it goes down, is buried, and then it comes forth into this kingdom that continues to grow until it will encapsulate all of reality, but we get to enjoy so many of the fruits of that today, which I think when you're, when you're talking about the beauty of it, yeah, part of it is like, um, you know, having meaning, having a sense of direction, uh, having community, a place to belong, mm-hmm. uh, having purpose within life, all of these things. And then even broadly speaking within society, um, I think one of the ways that you see the kingdom being present is uh, just the, 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 the whole like human rights thing, um, mm-hmm. equality, uh, all of that uh, concern for truth, all of these things, uh, I feel like, are the result of Christianity over the past 2,000 years. Um, and they wouldn't be here. Like, the, the whole idea that every person matters, that every person has inherent dignity and worth, uh, that comes from the biblical uh, conviction that people are created in the image of God. So they have that. And apart from the Bible, apart from Jesus and Christianity, you don't have that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's part of the kingdom being lived out and experienced and our, our lives are better for it. Yeah. Every yeah. Day. Totally. I appreciate you guys sharing that just on the spot. Even I, <clears throat> you know, I, I would love to sit down with somebody and say, what's, what's the perfect world you envision? I mean, if you could solve every problem, like what world would that be? You know what I mean? And, uh, whether they're a Christian or not, that beautiful picture would be compelling to them. It'd probably be compelling to each of us. You know, you're talking about, no pain. You're talking about no death, no loss, um, being fully known, fully loved, never being alone. You start mm-hmm. to put all those pieces together of that type of world, which I think we're all trying to get back to in some way. Mm-hmm. You yes. know, um, we're all trying to find joy, happiness, like all these things. And everybody is currently trying to live out their strategy for finding those. And that strategy is surely being lived out by others 
Therefore, there's a culture behind that view and a kingdom behind that view. And that's what this weekend's sermon's about. So take Woodstock, for example. A lot of people said that. Look at how beautiful this is. Peace, love, and happiness, man. That movement was beautiful. And you know what? I just think they stopped too short. You know what I mean? I think there were things in the movement that weren't healthy. Don't hear, don't get that wrong. Yeah. But I think Jesus offers a culture and a community of people, a Jesus culture, where those things are realized. And it is a beautiful thing. Yep. And, uh, and that's what is incredibly compelling about what Jesus is saying versus get saved and sit in the seats each Sunday and sing a few songs till the day you die and then you go to heaven. That doesn't get me fired up, you know? Um, what gets me fired up is that type of kingdom and people experiencing it because then, then people flourish. And I want to give that, that picture of beauty to our folks. And so, um, I will spend the rest of my life trying to figure out how to put that into words, put what the Bible says about the beauty of the kingdom into words. And you, you see that beauty in revelation towards the end, no more tears. Wow. That's a picture of beauty. You see it in Genesis naked and unashamed, which is interesting, but really, um, there's, you're not exposed. There's no no guilt. Um, mm-hmm. You know those. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> don't, yeah. I don't want to take that too far. But just the point <laughs> being, walking with God in the cool of the day. You know, and mm-hmm. like that's wow. That sounds beautiful. Yeah, I think what you described, Eric, is I think unfortunate that I think there's many people, especially in our Western society that that we live in in Christianity, that misses out on the fullness of the kingdom. There's so many people uh, today that are engaged in Christianity on the level of, I got my fire insurance policy. <laughs> um, if I need to come to church once a once a week to renew that, like I guess I'm I guess I'm cool with that. Yeah. And you know I could go on and on and on, but it's like I mean that's just the, you're just scratching the surface of what of what's being talked about in this series that we're going through for nine weeks. Yeah. The kingdom is so much more than that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I I want to get real practical as we wrap up because, you know, talking about beauty for some, you know, can, can be a little bit like out there, but we all know what beauty is. You know, it's been the winter here and in Utah, sometimes there's inversion and it gets murky and the clouds set in and it's hard to see, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, when I first moved here, I thought it was fog. I'm like, no, that's dirty air, you know? <laughs> yep. And, but every so often this time of year it'll lift. And when it lifts, the mountains of the Wasatch Front are white. And sometimes the sky is blue and you just go, look at the beauty. I can't believe I live here. Look at the beauty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, when that sinks in, it produces these, this emotion of awe, majesty, and wonder. And um, that's kind of what it's like when we you know, go through our daily lives, seeing the darkness of the world, but there are glimpses where we see the beauty of people, Jesus followers living out kingdom values. And you go, ah, that's the way it should be. I just want to fuel that as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, and I mean, we talked about the we talk about this on and off, but man, there is uh, quite the difference between religion and the gospel, and it's pretty clear. Religion says try harder, try harder, try harder, and the gospel says, why don't we see better? Yeah, why aren't we in awe? Why don't we take a step back and just be like, what is it that you know? I'm looking. What is yeah. the beauty in this? And and be in awe of who God is. Yeah, totally. And, and, and get to see that. Well, let me just say this. You know, like, so in Utah, it's really normal to hear people talk about dirt church, you know? Like, oh, my church is in the mountains on Sundays. You know why they do that? They just find it more beautiful. I get it. Yeah. I get it. You know, hiking hiking in the mountains, mountain biking, hanging on the golf course, you know, whatever it is that you find beautiful, it's easy to do that. It's easy to schedule around that. It's easy to give your money to that. Mm-hmm. It's easy to sacrifice for that because you find it beautiful. Mm. And unfortunately, church on a Sunday morning 
it's just not seen as all that beautiful to a lot of people. Mm. But I want to help people see that. I mean, a, a sea of people at our campus is a hundred, sometimes hundreds of people mm-hmm. with one voice singing truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, broken people finding community. Alone mm-hmm. people feeling they can belong. The beauty of God's word being communicated in helpful and hopeful ways. Music that touches the heart and the mind. Like, that's beautiful mm-hmm. stuff. Kids learning the gospel in age-appropriate ways with leaders who are ready to invest in them. That's mm-hmm. beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it doesn't surprise me when people have a church experience that's not beautiful. It's ugly. And then they never look, they never look back and, and think, I'm done with church. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. so how do we practically build the kingdom, guys? Give some nuts and bolts ways to do this. I mean... Do we just sit around and pray? Do we uh, build mm-hmm. the kingdom, build the kingdom? Okay, what does that mean? How do I do that? Yeah. Yeah. How do I produce human flourishing in my own space? I think it's, I think just off the cuff, it's equally, you know, trying to, to just make this simple. Um, working on ways to kind of exercise both of these um, these actions and maybe even an attitude, but this, uh, this uh, loving God and loving others more. So there's the horizontal piece of it. So that's me loving others i mean this was as simple as me and my small group last night just learning about each other literally we had a small group last night yeah and don't anybody you know go write an angry email so us. didn't even crack open the bible what <laughs> better tell the teaching pastor that's right <laughs> discipleship yeah. pastor yeah, yeah yeah we just wanted to know how others have grown up what they've experienced what their story yeah. is we want to be able to mm-hmm. love them better yep um, and then there's also the vertical piece how do i how can i you know, love God more. Um, and so trying to get both those pieces uh-huh. correct, I think does expand the kingdom um, in a very macro view. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I read this fascinating book one time. Well, I think simple answer, short answer, just to add on to that would be we help build God's kingdom when we submit our kingdom to his. Yep. So when we Ooh. allow Jesus to influence how we live our lives Monday through Friday, yep. taking in, um, you know, the culture of the kingdom and infusing it into our homes, our communities, our places of work, really as much as we as much as we can, um, even just honoring Jesus by the way that we pursue excellence within our work. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that's a big piece of it. Another thing would be, I read this fascinating book one time called To Change the World by James Davison Hunter. And uh, th- I, this is, um, I know we talked about, we, we talked about wrapping up, but I'm, I'm on a tangent here. So. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, basically, it was a book that was talking about the, the evangelical church and different approaches to changing uh, culture broadly, or even the world, saying that you know that is the even if we look at this parable, the goal is for the kingdom to to continue to grow both in size and influence. And so the question is, well, how do we join in that? And uh, it critiqued a couple of different models, and one was um, just talking about the kind of the tendency for evangelical culture to create more culture that is insular, so it's only actually consumed by um, people who are already Christians, mm-hmm. um, and. And it's also a lot of times at kind of a grassroots or a pop level. And uh, another one was just kind of the second model it critiqued was those who are kind of separatist. Um, I don't know if we see that as much here in, in SA, or kind of in Utah, but just Christians who kind of look at the, the world as bad and don't want to be contaminated by it, so we're going to, going to separate ourselves off. If you look at the, the 90s, people growing up and saying, we're not going to listen to secular music. I think that's like an easy <laughs> example of that. Um, and yep. so the book, it really looks to... Jeremiah 29, the instructions that were delivered to the people of Israel when they were living in exile in Babylon. You know, they were false uh, kind of prophets saying to them, don't pack your bags. God's taking you back home. You're not going to be here long. 
And God sent a message through the prophet Jeremiah saying to them, you're going to be here a while, so settle down, build homes, plant gardens, seek the uh, prosperity or the well-being or the flourishing of the city in which I've placed you, the city in which you mm. are, because in its flourishing, you find your own. And if I was to tack one other thing onto it that he gets into in the book is just recognizing that cultural change actually happens through... Um, you know, there are certain pockets of society, you could even say certain institutions that are more culturally influential. And by and large, over the past 50 to 100 years, evangelicals have kind of stayed away from those, Mm -hmm. um, or even kind of discouraged participation within those in some ways, I think. And uh, the book was just an encouragement to move into those pockets, those spaces, and to Mm -hmm. be faithfully present to really seek to bring the kingdom forward in some of the most influential pockets in society. So I I just thought it was a fascinating book. Yeah, that's great. What was it called again? To Change the World. To Change the World. All right, might have to pick it up. Or I could just ask Trevor what it's about. He's got it figured out. Yeah. yeah. He's read it. Um, Yeah, I'll just wrap up with this as I talk about kingdom. Um, You know... uh, what was I going to say? Um, we're going to talk about this this weekend. Christianity is a countercultural movement. And, 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 and I'm starting with Woodstock next week, talking about it. Woodstock was a countercultural movement. Um, in the first century, the movement of Christianity was countercultural. And I just want to say, it's still countercultural. And if you're going to build the kingdom, there's a countercultural push to it. So you are in the spaces of culture, but you're living counterculturally while you're in them. Ooh. And what is the opposite? What's the counterculture? Well, it's kingdom value. So when you're in the HOA meeting and you're serving on your HOA board, and everybody's saying this for this and tit for tat, and every you're going to lead, you're going to bring a different presence. You're going to have a different behavior because you have different values. You don't value what the culture values. You value what the king values, and that's a countercultural presence. Right. Yeah. So you coach, you coach your kid's baseball team. You're on the, the baseball board. I know Kyle Henderson's on the board of the baseball out there in Harriman. That is building the kingdom because he's going to live out his kingdom values among people who maybe don't have them yet. And it's going to be the best dang baseball league in, <laughs> in the state because Kyle's a Christian and uh, he's going to love those people well. Yeah. You know, that yeah. would be an example of it. Or, um, yeah. or at SMCC, paying people a fair wage. You know, you guys probably like to hear that like i want to know i want to do i want to provide human flourishing there or how much vacation time do we give our employees so that they can be with their kids and their spouses because if they're with their kids then the next generation is going to have a a father or a mother who's been present in their life um so basically when i think of building the kingdom in really practical ways where are you right now a lot just where are you a lot? Is it at work with your kids? Those are probably two places. Everybody is somewhere a lot with your friends. Perhaps you have these arenas of life where you're there a lot. Those arenas of life have certain values. Do those values reflect the King? If not, would you bring those values there and you will begin to build the kingdom. And as you do that, because the King values human flourishing, hopefully because of your presence with those values, those people will flourish too. And just take that wherever you go. If you work in the hospital, it's there. If you're in academics, it's there. If you're in you know, startup companies, it's there. You're a CEO, it's there. If you're in the mom group meeting once a, once a week at the park for play dates, right there, build your kingdom. And so you're with a mom and she says things aren't going well and you say, would you mind telling me more? I'd love to listen. Boom, that's the value of the king. Who listened? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
my, my kids at school, hey, so-and-so was talking to me like this. I don't want to hang out with them. They're a, they're a bully. Or my friend was getting bullied. Okay, how do you respond to bullies? Let's respond to a bully like Jesus. Boom, I'm setting up my kid mm-hmm. to build the kingdom, which would lead to flourishing in their elementary school. Yeah, It's everywhere we go. Let's do it. Yeah, Let's do it, church. Yeah, yeah I love that. <laughs> that is why we are doing this series, and we're only you know 30% of the way through it. So That's right. Here we go. Well, thank you guys for being here. We'll go ahead and wrap up. Appreciate you guys listening. And uh, we will be back again next week. Make sure that you're keeping up with messages uh, at one of our campuses. We're all doing the same messages each week or online on our YouTube channel as well. You can catch them if you missed them. Appreciate you being here. And we will see you again next week. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted Podcast. If you enjoyed this hopeful and helpful resource, We'd love to have you leave us a review or share an episode with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit us at our website at smccutah.org. Thank you for trusting us with your time, and we look forward to having you back again soon.